My name's Jeremy Hanna. My Instagram's Uncle Jeremy. I started Solon Clothing with my best friend. I'm thinking back to the time when you guys started Solon. Like, what was different about what you guys did? Your name gets popped up in conversation with me a lot. You know that it's been five years to the day. Bro, not even planned to the day. This is our five-year anniversary. Growing up without a dad, I feel like I've always been trying to fill that hole with some kind of masculine figure that is there to help me along the path. I got a family. I got a wife, a couple teenagers, you know. I've always been open to having mentors throughout my life, not only in tattooing, but in life. Oh, I don't maybe 20 podcasts that was the best easiest one i've ever done for real oh yeah oh dude that's yeah. sick what's up guys and welcome to the first episode of the hero and the sage podcast before we get into that i want to let you guys know that we just dropped our one-on-one coaching calls personalized experience with yours truly so we can go over any pain points you might be having in your life or career i'm super excited about this i know a lot of you guys have been trying to get a little bit more personal with me about your situation and this is a great way for us to do that so head over to heroesxhaven.com for you to book your first call also our peaks and valleys merch is dropping on our website peaksandvalleysbrand.com go ahead and check that out we got many different colorways this is our essentials peaks and valleys tea head over to the website to cop that And then lastly, we have a vlog dropping of this entire trip that we took to go do this podcast. It was insane, it was so much fun, and we worked so hard on it. I want you guys to get a behind the scenes look of what that looks like so you guys can be integrated in our process. And now, onto the pod. For this episode, we have a very special guest. He is a huge name in the tattoo industry, the owner of Solon Clothing, one of the biggest brands in tattooing. My good friend, check out our conversation with Uncle Jeremy. known each other uh it's probably been about four or five years now oh, okay so it's a big a good amount of time maybe four yeah four years i think he's a year sober when i met him he's five years sober now damn dude but uh i was pushing him i'm like man you got such a good story because he lost he lost 19 years in the pen and uh you know he was gangbanger you know did a lot of time got out was still a drug addict and the way his story goes is he was kind of soul and super fan and his mom knew it so his mom oh, was like wow. Listen, every week you test negative, sober, I'll buy you, you know, three new shirts. So his mom bought him a new package of Solon every week for six months. Yeah. And then finally she's like, all right, you're on your own. But he, 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 he says, like, Solon got me sober, you know? That's a crazy story. And yeah. I don't, that's such a unique way to, like, integrate Solon into his recovery. Yes. Like, that's so, like, random. But that's but he's got stories cool. to tell us. So I've been pushing him, like, hey, Get on podcasts. Get on the small ones. Get on the big ones. Get on all of them. Yeah, dude. Because it's practice, you know. And then he gets on them, and he's he's a good storyteller. And he's very uh, likable. And like you know, first impression, you know, he's got all the face tattoos. He looks gnarly and everything. But then I'll go and read all the comments, and all these people relate to him. You know. Yeah. Like he got on. I don't know if you're fam- familiar with uh, Soft White Underbelly. Yeah, of course. He got on there, and he was Great the first one. person to Damn, be he asked. Was on ba- there? Yeah, he got asked back to be on a second time. His story was so good. So he's been on there twice. And that means a lot because I've seen some stories on there that are crazy. At first, he asked me, he told me about it. I go, I don't know if you should get on that one. I go, I, I listen, I watch it. Right. I go, but it's all like homeless and drug addicts and gay. Extremes. I go, it's, a, it's a lot of, you know, uh, yeah troubled souls yeah and they're still troubled most of them are still troubled yes. when they do the podcast yes. which is like i guess that kind of set the theme for that podcast of like let's get the perspective of the people that are still broken and now you're having someone come on that is like post you and know. i guess i forget the guy's name i think it's mark 
he's transitioning into he didn't want to just do homeless dudes from you know from downtown LA he was transitioning so Mohawk was a part of that transition and then we got Freddie Negretti on there who told his story and uh we haven't we have an end we have a friend who can get that's, that'd be another good one to uh to get you on no yeah for sure that would be dope we're good guys okay good fucking sick um before i get into too much shit bro i know we were touching on this outside but it's been five years since i've been here because you were gracious enough to let me and veer come here and get a tour before but what i didn't mention is did you know that it's been five years to the day bullshit no bro not even planned this bullshit. is not even planned and the only reason we found out is because veer had like a a memory pop up on his story of when we were here no and it just so happened to be Bro, to the day. This is our five-year anniversary of you to being To the here. day. What the fuck? <laughs> That's like, a trip. It's crazy. And, like, That's I was kind of blown away. And the fact that you're, bro, my first guest, first of all, thank you for being on it because thank you didn't you have any reason to say yes or anything. It's not like I've been doing this. But I knew if I wanted to get some good guests on, legit, bro, you were the first one I thought about. Like, you were the very first one. Wow. Well, I know uh, – you can get a lot better than me, and, I'll, and and I'd be happy to help you get any guys that maybe you haven't met yet. That would be great. You know, um, uh, but but your name gets popped up in conversation with me a lot because you can't act like okay, this might be your first podcast, but you're out there doing the damn thing, and I'm proud of you. I watch it, I see it, like so many times I have conversations whether whether it's with you know the old timers that are kind of you know getting mad you know or, or or the youngsters asking me marketing ideas right and a lot of times you know there's so many people that are like well i don't know what to create i don't know what content you know and and i'll reference you you know because like we talked about earlier you know it's like five years ago you were doing shit like you I, you know i i wanted to fuck with you because i could tell you were you were making moves right which I would have guessed I was like maybe three years ago, two, three years ago. It's crazy. Yeah, if you had to guess, years. but I can't believe it's been five years. Yeah. You look the same, bro. It looks like you don't age. It's Good. crazy. Yeah. Just a little bit white in my beard. And I think that five years ago, it was my attempt at like trying to spread my wings in a way like, because when you're a tattoo artist, it's hard to understand like, where am I going to go from here? If there is anything else, what am I going to do? If I do content, what type of content am I going to do? So my goal at that point was really to collaborate with anybody that I could. That's the only idea yeah. I had, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember you reached out um, asking about tattooing on Soul and TV. Yeah. That's how the conversation started. But, I mean, you know, a lot of artists, I feel, um, you know, sometimes they're their own worst enemy, you know? 100%. And the fact that you put your balls on the table and you go for it, you know, it's like it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Even myself, people will ask me advice, and I'll, and I'll try to give advice, but at the same time as I'm talking, I'm – I'm almost talking to myself, you know, because there's, I could do so many things better. I yeah. could do, I could do, you know, so much better storytelling and, and, and content creation. Um, I'm not saying we're half-assing it over here, but we can always do better. But uh, uh, I love people like yourself that put those blinders on yeah. and go for it. Thank you, man. And, and it's definitely a perspective thing because I probably feel the same way about my stuff as you feel about your stuff. And from my perspective of me doing it, obviously I could see so many holes in like, how I do so I could do it so much better I could do more and if I was only a little more like this then I could be better but I think that um attaching yourself to the outcome and the impact that you have on people that do watch and attaching to that like purpose allows you to kind of get rid of all that self-negative talk and just kind of zone out and just do it because no matter how it turns out it's just like art sometimes you can't be so precise you have to let it flow and when you let it flow some of the best stuff gets created yeah. And I think that too many people try to overthink or overplan or script or this and that. 
every time I've tried to script something, it turned out way worse. Dude. Or what about even like this? You know, it's like I, I, I see, because there's a lot of tattooers out there that all they post is their work. You don't even know what they look exactly. like. Exactly. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be friends with people, and I'm, I'm about to meet them at a convention for the first time because we've only been online friends. Excuse me. And I'm sitting here, you know, searching their tagged photos just to see what homeboy looks like. You know, I don't know. And you what he can't looks find like. any of it. Right. Yeah. You don't know what they sound like. You know what they look like. You know, but for you, you know, what do you what do you call your videos you've been putting up on the gram? Like tutorials or like uh, live Q and A's. Q and A's. Yeah. Yeah. But like uh, for me, and even though, like I said, even though I preach this to everybody, I'm still like every podcast I do. I'm all it's more so afterwards like oh should I said that oh yeah. is that gonna get me dude. in trouble oh, oh it, you know but I I gotta stop giving a fuck yeah dude I really do you know I did that podcast um you know la another podcast last week and sure enough next day I'm texting him like hey such and such conversations give me anxiety can we edit that one thing out I shouldn't have thrown them under the bus you know dude that's crazy because that's my that's like the first thing that comes to mind when I think about me podcasting I'm like I know how I am and uh, I know that after the podcast, I'm going to be like thinking back on it and like thinking about every little thing I said or what's even worse is what I should have said or like yeah. what I should have brought up, especially when you're talking to like good guests uh, like yourself. I, I feel like there's so much that I'm personally curious about about you, believe it or not, that like I don't want to miss anything. But sometimes you just got to let it flow. And then but on that note, it's good. It's a it's kind of a good problem that you feel comfortable. Like if I say something I shouldn't have, that's because I felt comfortable sitting there. Right, and that's you get really caught how you up. felt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you just forget like, oh, maybe that was something that should should have been kept private, and that's something I gotta I gotta get better at, you know. Um, or just let it rip, you know. Or or be that guy, because you know there's some people out there, and I'm a podcast YouTube guy. You're like, whoa, did he just say that? Yeah. Or oh, what's the comments gonna be about? You know, and sometimes. Sometimes it'll slip through the cracks and there won't be a damn comment about it. But then there's other times where people will clip it and get it out there and, you know, you get your haters. But, yeah, you, you can't care. Yeah, I think that people flock to authenticity and the more authentic you could do, the better. And when you start clipping things out, even one little thing, I feel like you're going in the opposite direction of authenticity. So as close as you can get to how you really feel and how you would normally talk in a normal conversation, I think that's where the good podcasts do well, you know? Yeah. Um, but... I know a lot of people that might be watching might not, especially some of the younger, newer tattoo artists might not know who you are. How would you describe to them who you are if you were just going to give them a quick, you know? Um, my name is Jeremy Hanna. My Instagram is Uncle Jeremy. I started Soul and Clothing with my best friend over 20 years ago. Uh, it's a tattoo art-driven brand. Um, probably about 70% of our shirt graphics are done by tattooers from all around the world. Yep. Uh, thirty percent, you know, uh, freelance graphic designers, graffiti artists, artists in general. Um, no, man, we uh, we stay humble over here. I know there's people right next door and right across the street that have never heard of us. Right. You know, I like to think of us as kind of like a, you know, still an underground feel. You know, the little big guy, big little guy. No, we're not tiny. Yes, we're in some, you know, some mall retail shops. We have been around. Um, luckily enough people like our stuff where we've been in business for a couple decades right. and, and 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 we're keeping the lights on you know uh wherever uh, the tattoo community is strong you're gonna see solon and i can confidently say that you go to a tattoo you know you might you might have never seen solon anywhere you come to a tattoo convention yeah i'm gonna bet money that you're gonna run into a few solon shirts before you leave the building a few shit fucking so 50 percent of the building probably has solon shirts and that's on. that's that's where we thrive you know um Luckily, tattoos go hand in hand with so much stuff, you know, 
that's how you get your broader yeah reach. it's how you know because we're we got in a chain store um somewhat recently and i thought we were going to be too edgy for him i thought we were going right. to be too dark for him but we're killing it uh it's the buckle the buckles in like you know yeah like 500 shops in all the malls across america and um we're all, you know we're in tilly's we've been in macy's and zoomies and it's different but but the uh the buckles the first store where we're front table you know we're, we're front wall on the side like we get prominent displays all yeah. over we're on the mannequin so it's like that's really helped kind of open open eyes to 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 some of the younger generation and new faces which has been cool um it's funny because i bet you there's some people that see soul and they don't even know that it started its roots in tattooing right. because they see it in a, in a buckle i like buckle for you guys because it's it's broader than like a tilly's because i know tilly's is huge but there's a type of clothing that goes in the tilly's right yeah and buckle you guys stand out that has more character than yeah. anything else that they have in there like you said you're front and center there yeah that's that's amazing and um what i'm so curious about with solon is you're because you're not a tattoo artist i'm not a tattooer my best friend is i'm a tattoo collector and and you know i've is always your best been, friend your partner or no? yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah my business partner ryan smith he's a he's the he's the wizard he's the oz behind the business um he's not the social butterfly that I am. He, you know, he's, he sits behind, you know, his computers and, and creates the lines but and the catalogs, of the web that's needed. Oh yeah. We are the yin and yang, you know, like, uh, we're very different, but, um, known him since grammar school and, you know, Damn. like he's, he's great at what he does. He likes keeping me out on the road, you know, networking and, and showing face. Um, so yeah, we make a good team. I handle all the marketing, you know, social media, uh, content, PR events, and he's the one he's he's dealing with the artists he's creating the lines all the production you know overhead yeah all, yeah all the unfun stuff yeah it's so crazy to me to think that you guys are so respected and i'm thinking back to the time when you guys started solon and i'm trying to figure out a lot of people start clothing brands a lot yeah. people start clothing brands every day and i'm wondering how your guys's rise happened and how you got so many connections in the tattoo industry and became like a household name brand in it like what was different about what you guys did from someone else that started something similar i think a lot of it was ryan you know like uh when we first started you know the first five or six years even though it had a a, a tattoo aesthetic to it ryan didn't really want to go tattoo because he came from an old school apprenticeship sure so he knew the culture was protected you know and 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 so he was a little weary of it and at the time it was smaller no it was much smaller yeah. yeah you know we ran it out of our apartment for the first you know few years in a tiny little warehouse five years after that but it it luckily happened organically but ryan you know like there was a time when we when when he first started sitting and drawing with a few of the guys you know like three of our first artists were like nico hurtado carlos torres tom berg you oh know? wow so having you know nico and carlos tom's amazing but he's not real active on social excuse me but having those two guys as two of our first guys of course it was like all the stars are aligning but ryan would like help them design their their dvd covers their business cards you know he's he, web design so he came in and then he'd sit and draw and paint with them and whether it's you know charcoal or acrylics or you know a pencil like ryan gets down so right they and he also graduated from the art center pasadena it's like the number two art school in the nation he graduated with honor so he has an old school apprenticeship tattooing 25 years but whether it's you know web design you know sitting yeah, down and painting a knack for it. he's got a knack for all of that and, and and i'm not an artist you would know this better than i but sometimes i'll see artists get together and they do that art talk you know where, yeah, they're, yeah, where yeah. they're speaking That's another my favorite language language yeah exactly Tattoo language is my favorite language so i don't i don't speak that language i overhear ryan talk to everybody but you know they respect him for a different reason 
because you know he 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 he's he's very talented. You know, and yeah, for he me, walks the walk when it comes to talking to the tattoo artists and stuff. He, can, he actually yeah. does it. Yeah, know? like like you know, master painters like Sean Barber. You know, he's yeah. he's doing collaboration paintings with him. You know, damn dude, I didn't know that he was that far along where he already knew some of these guys when you guys were in the early years and he knew of them as a fan he sure. was just a street shop tattooer but you know he'd go to the old you know ink slingers balls and everything and he, and he made me a fan of this industry you know so it's like i know you know tattoo talk a little bit more where i'm a fan a true fan yeah. but i was also self-conscious because i know you know the whole tattoo owner owned and operated kind of vibe i knew i wasn't a tattooer so for that reason i was like all right i'm gonna get tattooed like a motherfucker yeah just so you can look the part too you know like, like i remember hearing bj Betts on a podcast he's like oh fuck yeah i fuck with jeremy and ryan ryan you know can tattoo with the best of them and jeremy's tattooed more uh more tattooed than most of the tattooers out here you oh know? there you go so you kind of got your in that way oh, i got my arm you know i got well i've I, seen i've seen you got tattooed. i got my, i'm pretty much too. full body suit you know mm -hmm. so um and i'll give my tattoo friends a hard time you know they take off their shirt and they got nothing i'm like what's up yeah man? dude and they, have some or they don't have sleeves or nothing shit. How do you feel about how do you feel about tattoo artists that don't have any tattoos? I give them a hard time. Yeah, me too, dude. I give them Fuck. a hard time. You know, I got a couple friends that finally have been jumping on and getting some, but there's a few of them out there that they, for a minute and I'm like, come on, man, Their come on, man. Their excuses are so like, uh, oh, you know, there's this one person I want to get tattooed by, but you know, I just don't got the time to go. Like it's so like, uh, they're so particular and like they've never even jumped the gun to get one tattoo, so it just sounds weird to me. And Absolutely. it's like, if you've never felt what a tattoo feels like on yourself, how are you exactly. going to know what you're doing to people? And that's the main thing. That's what bothers me the yeah. most. You know, it's like, and, you know, I I, I like the old school vibe of, of, of the tattoo world as well. Sure. You know, I like seeing a tattooer just blasted, you know, from, from head to toe. It's yeah. like, fuck yeah, that's the way it should be, you know, right, or, or getting tattooed by people they're fans of or, or in the shop. But at the same time, I do understand, I hear this all the time. I'm sure, you know, you agree, like, guys in the shop who talk about tattooing each other, and then three years later, they're still talking about it. Yep. You know, it's almost like tattooing your girlfriend. You guys get nervous tattooing, you know, girlfriends or wives because you got to look at it every day. Dude. So it's who just... Who are you telling, bro? It's I rather, it's easier just to push it off, right? Well, I also, whenever... Because I tattoo my girl a lot, right? And, Good. um... Yeah, I love doing it and stuff, but I'm so particular that something that would normally take me six hours would probably take me ten. Mm -hmm. And she hates it because, like... You know, it's good work and shit, but at the same time, she's like, damn, like, I know this is going to take forever. But you're right. I got to look at it. And yeah. that's like a super big deal to me because I'm so critical of myself, which is a good thing and a gift and a curse, because that's also why I'm able to do the tattoos I do. But it's also like I'm never satisfied with like the littlest shit. You wouldn't notice it. He wouldn't know. No one would notice the yeah. thing I'm tripping off of. But it's always the little thing. I'm like, damn, that, that little part right there, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, or like unfinished tattoos. You guys yeah. will start each other. I mean, so many of my tattooer friends have unfinished work. And how many? They're like, oh, I'm gonna get it fixed. I'm gonna get it finished in uh, oh, we're gonna do it in a few months. Yeah. yeah. Three years later, they don't even have it. They still got an yeah. outline or something. You know? My wife, uh, she's getting a back piece from Jeshen, and she just had oh, her second dope, sitting dude. on Sunday. Yeah, it's sick. I mean, from neck down to the bottom of her cheeks, a tiger walking down. She's going for it. And we were having this conversation, you know, about uh. How, you know, how, how, she's on sitting two. I'm like, if you were to guess, and I was talking to his assistant, not not Jess, but I'm like, how many sittings do you think this is going to be? You know, and, and um, she was stumped. You know, she's like, to be honest, most people don't get their backs finished. They start it, Whoa. and not all of them will complete it to the end, you know? I would have never thought that.
because he's doing back pieces all the time, but yeah. you would imagine that he's finishing them all the time. But you're right. It's probably like more people are starting them and then less people are finishing it. And it's like kind of sucks for the artist, too, because you don't get that satisfaction right. of finishing it. And it's all up to the fucking client to come. Yeah. And if they don't come, you don't get that satisfaction. Yeah. Dude, that sucks. kind of. Yeah. 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 Lie. That's frustrating. I mean, I don't know, probably financial reasons or whatever. Of but. course. Of course. It's it's. It's a many reasons, right? But um, I usually try to have my clients, if we're agreeing on a sleeve, we try to book all the sessions out ahead of time. Like, I try Smart. to knock it out, you know? Like, I'm like, hey, if you're looking if you're looking for a sleeve or a back piece or this or that, if that's really what you want, let's get it done. Yeah. Let's do it, right? And I understand Japanese and black and gray and all that is different and how you go about it and stuff. But I try to get them on the same page mentally of like, hey, we're going to do this. And if you're ready and you got the money and you got this and you got this aligned, Let's just fucking do it because the longer you wait, you're probably going to fumble. Something happens. Life happens, blah, blah, blah. But let's do like three days now. Like me and Jess and my girl, we're working on, um, you know, the dinosaur front panel that I, that me and yeah, her did. Yeah. So incredible. thank you. Um, we're doing that same guy's back. Okay. And we're going to bring him to Golden State. We're trying to blow the front panel out of the water. It's a, it's a little tough because it's crazy, but we got a crazy back piece that we're doing. So you we guys going three days? So we, we already did three days on them, me and her both on them at the same time, roughly, I want to say eight to 10 hours a day. And right when we get back from LA on Thursday, we have another three days with them. We should be able to finish in that three days. And then anything after that, will probably be a touch up. Um, but we're excited to do that, but it's a lot of work. And it's, so what are you doing at Golden State? The touch up? Touch up. Yeah. I don't really want to tattoo. I don't really like tattooing that much at conventions. Especially since there's so much like interaction to be had because yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen you have a booth. A lot of times oh, you're we've cruising. had booths for sure. We've had booths most. I feel like every time I run into you, you're you're not tattooing. You're cruising around the shows. Right, hundred percent. But Golden State is our favorite convention. Um, just a because it's close, and B it's the the best vibe that I've ever felt. And I understand there used to be the one in London, and there used to be this and that. But Golden State is close, and everyone goes to it. Yeah. And it's a good energy. The the venue is not super compact and like claustrophobic i went to empire state one year not to tattoo but i was doing something with ink mag it felt claustrophobic Different in vibe. there dude i yeah. was like whoa it is it's like in a lobby of a hotel it feels like yeah they they, they stack it three levels of, right. of a hotel hotel ballroom weird yeah like i was upstairs on the top floor walking hella small walkway and there's nico hurtado right there i was like what the fuck is yeah. going on like yeah. so yeah, Golden State feels really nice and stuff. We will have a booth. We got like a five wide booth. Hell yeah. Uh, what I really want to do is set up a a small section where I could sit down like the Q&As that I do on Instagram. So if any of the fans or anybody wants to ask me some questions, they could sit down, ask some questions like in this style, and I'll answer it. And then we clip it for Instagram. So it's kind of cool to do that in person so that they could be a part of the yeah. clips and shit. So that's fun. And then, yeah, if I was had my head down tattooing the whole time, I don't feel like I would get the full benefit of being at a convention. And I tell all my artists that conventions are super important because if you're just a tattoo artist in a shop and you're just kind of head down doing your thing, you kind of forget what you're a part of. And refreshing your perspective on the industry and being like, wow, there's a lot of people that do what I do and they're doing it really well. And get, being a part of the community is like, a huge part of you taking solace and being a tattoo artist. Yeah. Because if you're just like never been to a convention, you're just tattooing in your little hole in the wall, fucking corner. It's so like barely a job. It's like you're just trying to bang out tattoos. Maybe you think you're the best and you get this big head and you realize when you go to a convention, like, oh, there's some fucking people doing 
great work out there. Well, Craig, if I'm wrong, you know, like I know you've been doing killer work for years now, you know, Black Ink, um, right. you're out there. But now I feel like with your Q&As, you're getting out there even more and more. So there's probably a lot more people that are seeing you that might not have seen you five years ago right. and seeing your face, hearing your voice. You know, not only that, but like sometimes I'll go hop on the comments and I see, you know, older, well-respected tattooers taking part in the conversation. Yes. Or like I said, if I bring up your name, people that I feel like I'm telling them for the first time, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I seen that, you know, like I feel Which like it's crazy, dude. It's like, great. And it's 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 humbling for sure. And the fact that I've had some of the OGs in my comments, like I I don't think they know because from their perspective, I'm just like a new guy. Right. And like I'm new school tattoo or I'm just like a that type of new generation and shit. I feel like I fall somewhere in between just because I'm I'm definitely not like a Gen Z tattooer. Right. right. I've I've. I've felt what it's like to uh, it being a little harder than what it is. And I now. see you paying respects. I try to, dude, and it's it's tough because they they want to. Uh, some people just try to first impression. They just judge me immediately, and it's always on the extreme part of being like, "Oh, you're a new tattoo. You don't know what shit. You don't know yeah. shit." But I'm like, "Yeah, but I've I feel you though. I even know who you are. You don't even know that I know who you are." Like the OG tattooers. And I'm like, bro, I've been watching you since I was a kid and since I started tattooing, all of this stuff. Even Solon, when I very first started tattooing, I get so obsessive about shit that I'm doing that when I started tattooing, I was looking up any content that I can about tattooing. The main thing that I consumed was Solon TV. The you main watch one. a lot of the videos? Bro, I, I memorized every video you guys got uploaded, especially considering you guys haven't uploaded in a uh, couple years or yeah. something. I've, de I've memorized all of them. <laughs> all the Bernadette doing the conventions and shit before I ever went to yeah, a convention. Yeah. Uh, all of the uh, under the skins, the portfolio peaks. So even when we came five years ago and got to do a little portfolio peak, I think is what we did. That was like a dream come true. As small as it might seem or whatever, it was like, I cannot believe I'm doing this right now. Full circle. And it was, yeah, full circle, 100%. And then now that we're here five years later... And I remember when we were here the last time, I remember talking to you in your office, and I was like, man, is there something that we could do together so this doesn't just end? Like, I didn't want the relationship to be like, oh, yeah, this kid came by, and I showed him some shit, and he was cool, but now I never talked to him again. I always try to, like, how can we solidify this relationship so I could, like, know you over the years and stuff like that? I didn't really have much in my head at the time because I, I was a little lost, but I think it's really cool that we get to come back and have a, a deeper – now we could do the podcast. Now there's more to do. And I've came into my own a little bit. I've grown up. I've learned a lot in five years in life too. You know, but you were already you already had success then. Yeah, you were already killing it five years ago. You know, like I I I was a fan of your work five years ago. So, and you're still in your twenties. Yeah. So it's just like I'm, proud I'm almost of you. thirty. Still in your twenties. And thank you, thank you. But uh, <laughs> no, I know, dude. Why why is it that I feel old sometimes, and then sometimes when I'm talking to people, I'm like, yeah, I guess I am really young, dude. Yeah. I guess I just been through a lot of shit, dude. And it's That's like. It. Uh, I, I had a hard childhood, like homeless most of my life, for a big chunk of my life. And then even when we did get a spot to stay at, it was in the hood, like straight hood. So I had to deal with that dynamic, getting jumped every day. And I'm the only white kid in the neighborhood. And um, going to school was hard. And so when people talk to me and they see me now, they think they have a perspective on who I am just by me talking. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're good and you, all this stuff. I'm like, bro, my life didn't start getting good until I found purpose. And I found a direction. And then even deeper into that, like, figured out, like, 
finding yourself in something, you know, like trying to learn about yourself and shit. I wouldn't say until mid twenties my life started to really start to shape up. But think about all those obstacles and and bullshit you had to go through. Yeah. That made you who you are. So I almost feel like, you know, you you gotta have those rough days. You you have to have fail you know, failures. You when people have it too easy, I don't think I don't think you you're able to get as far, you know? A hundred percent. I do actually try to put myself in the perspective of someone who has it easy for growing up and i would kind of not like it to be honest it, yeah. it seems like a a rough road to take because you know some people won't even respect you just because of how you came up right and then it's like you have to fight through gaining your own motivation to do stuff in the world even though you have everything that you need and it's like it's hard to have that fire in your belly if you if you've never tasted the bottom yeah and i think i've been so ambitious is just because of that in itself is because i was so far at the bottom it was such a depressing like lost no direction life that i i just always had the ambition to flip that on its head and do the opposite so i know my ambition and like me wanting to do extra stuff is like off-putting to some people along the path even old old bosses old you know I, i've been through a ton of drama and the only thing that sucks about that is i've always felt like i came from a good place like i came from good intentions i came from like I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm not trying to this. But it's so hard for you to put yourself out there and people not think that you're cocky, no matter how you put yourself out there. Because they wouldn't put themselves out there. So they see people that do, and they think, oh, they they must be a cocky, narcissistic person. And I'm like, not really, bro. Like, I'm actually trying to do this in the most, like, uh, humble way as possible. I'm not tuning my own horn ever. And I just want to basically, I've always had, like, a thirst for wisdom and, and a thirst for knowledge and stuff right i've always been open to having mentors throughout my life not only in tattooing but in life i've had many mentors in my life growing up without a dad i feel like i uh i've always been trying to fill that hole with some kind of masculine figure that is there to help me along the path and like teach me things and coping mechanisms and different things about life to where i could actually accomplish stuff without just breaking down right so that's been a big journey of mine and i think what's cool about the podcast and what i'm so excited about is I get to use it as my own uh, way of gaining knowledge from people that I right. respect. Of course, I'll interview people that are going to learn stuff from me, but I'm not here to teach you anything. I'm here to learn about you, and I want to know certain things, right? And I think it's more about that than it is me teaching people on the podcast, right? Yeah, but, you know, I think you're a little bit of an old soul, and you're a chameleon, whereas, like, you can you can talk to an old dude like me, and you can take some youngsters, you know, yeah. beginners, you know, under your wing and yeah. really teach them a lot, you know? And trust me, I not everyone's going to be in the Solon. You know, I can't wear half the stuff we make. A lot of the loud graphics are the best sellers. I, you know, I like some of the more mellow yeah, stuff. Yeah, 100%. You know, but... Luckily, like I said, luckily there's enough people that like our stuff where we're still around, but not everyone's going to like our stuff. For me personally, I try to win them over one person at a time. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you can you can judge me. You can pretend like you know who I am and you know who Ryan is and you know what Solon's all about, but meet me face-to-face, -face, spend 10 minutes with me, and hopefully I can win you over. And if not, who gives a fuck, you know? Have you always had that attitude of, like, I don't care what you think of me, or did you have to develop that over time? No, yeah, I have. I've always I've always liked making friends. I've always yeah. I mean, in high school, my parents used to leave every week and so I was known to have like the biggest house parties in high school. Yeah. Which is funny because that helped me start solo. Oh, yeah. Cool. So it's like I always had a party crew around me. So when I started soloing on my couch, we already had heads over all the time just because we had a you know, just a big crew with us. But I've always been a little bit of a uh 
of a pussy where I want everyone to like me. You know, I, I don't have that. I don't care if you don't like me. I yeah. don't have that chip on my shoulder. I want everyone to like me. So when people, I hear all oh, so and so, I'm like, oh, what? what? What do we do to him? Right. You know, where? But I'm I'm learning. I'm learning. You know, like I'm 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 reading this book right now. The art of what is, uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Bro, I've read it. Ten times. Yeah, I'm halfway through it. My new favorite saying is, you know, you only have so many fucks to give. Is this important enough to give a fuck about? You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, dude. And I got, I got family. I got a wife, a couple teenagers, you know. I'm trying not to be bad dad and workaholic, which I was guilty of in the past. I'm getting better yeah. at it now, getting home. But, you know, let them let hate. You know, when, when we're all old and on our deathbed. We yeah, it's be, not going to matter. I'm not right? going to be thinking about that. I'm, I'm, dude, one of my favorite words is legacy. You know, like, it's not like I'm trying to make the history books, but at the same time, I want a good reputation. I want people to think I'm a good dude. We created something cool, and I get to meet all these cool, creative motherfuckers all around the world and, right. and, and, and make friends with people like yourself that are that are doing things. You know, yeah. that's fun. That's exciting. That's what this is all about. Dude, you're right, and it's, uh, it is a blessing to be a part of something like this where you could touch so many people. But it is interesting to hear that you've always been the type that wanted people to like you. I feel like I've been that way. But I feel like mine stems from, like, if you don't like me and someone says some shit about you that they don't like, isn't there always some kind of truth in it that makes you feel like it's personal attack? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, like, they'll say some shit and you're like, ooh, that, that hit a little too close to home. <laughs> I know that was one comment out of a thousand good ones, but that one comment for some reason sticks because it had some form of, Laying like... Laying in bed thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, dude, you're like, what the fuck? Wait, did he just pull out my, my smallest insecurity and then just fucking put it on Front Street? And I'm like, dude, like, please don't do this. But and I know we have to read. I mean, I have to read the comments for, you know, for um, uh, customer service reasons. Right. But there's a lot of times. I'm surprised you don't have someone do that for you. Well, we do have a team. Okay. Yeah. yeah there, there's a team of us that run all of it. Um, but sometimes, you know, the comments are stacking on something to be slightly controversial. And I'll just be like, you know what? Let it let it roll. I'm not even going to look at this one. You know, of course, my, my, my guys will tell me if something. But, you know. Whether it's, I don't know, a hot chick or something yeah. and the girls are hating. I don't know what example. But, um, you know, you, you hear Joe Rogan say, don't even read the comments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a balance, though, because I hear him say that. And I'm like, yeah, don't read the comments. But especially at our level, um, I still feel like we're tiny as fuck, right? I'm like, I need to engage with people, right? So yeah. it's like that there's a value in that too especially the people that want to comment on some of the q a videos they want to be part of the conversation if you want them to comment again and engage again it, it's good to let them know that they're being seen when they comment and i know they all conversate with each other which i like even more i like it when like you know an og puts a comment and then someone else comments and agrees with them and then someone disagrees and oh yeah they, and then now there's like this hundred comment thread of a conversation yeah and Success. sometimes they're arguing and shit yeah, but you still want conversations to flow. I mean, but yeah. isn't that cool though? I mean, am I? I think it's dope. And, and and to have the OGs hopping on there and talking, Dude, you know. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's going to be some negativity or haters or whatever. But the the positivity and having these respected tattooers hop on there far outweighs all the bullshit, 100%. right? Hundred percent. And I think um, you mentioned that you might be able to get me in with some of the uh, some of the guys, some of the tattoo artists and stuff. I really think it would be so dope if I was able to get some of those OG guys on the podcast because I don't think it's ever been done where someone that is more younger like myself and has a perspective on the way the new generation is coming in versus someone who has strictly been old school their whole life. I think there's a, uh, a gap to bridge 
Yes. And I don't feel like it's been done yet. Even every panel that's been made, everything that has been made for tattooing has all been OG artists or old school people that have owned businesses, you know, uh, Mario Barth and, and all this stuff. But no one is up there to represent, like, younger people. You're right. Right. I was thinking about that this morning, and I know you don't need my help. You're well on your way. But I was thinking, like, yeah, we all got access to DMs. You can reach out to anybody. You can call any shop. But I was thinking that. I'm like, I bet there's there's some OGs that I could text them and, and tell them, hey, this will be a good look for you. You should do this podcast. I, I'd be happy to help you. Dude, that would be so Because I agree. I think, um, you know, there's some old timers who get stuck in their ways. And they're they're great, but they just, you know. And then there's some other guys, you know, like Freddie Negretti is a perfect example. Like he loves talking to youngsters. He loves learning new nope. things and, and and having them push him, you know, and, and he just continues to get better and better, you know? Yeah. And I think that having an open mind, even as you get older, is how you keep yourself young, basically. And it keeps you in yes. the game, keeps you in the conversation. Like uh, I, I, I respect the hell out of Freddie Negretti is one of my favorite guys. And um, I know, you know, him personally and stuff, and he would be one of the greatest. Like if I got him on the pod, I would just. I won, you know, like no, consider it done. I, I'm pretty confident he'll he'll hop on here with you. He's cool like that, and and you know, like you got to stay relevant. Even these guys, they could be booked out a year, but you gotta you gotta stay relevant. Well, I gotta, know that Freddie Negretti started his uh the convention because you guys had the first convention yeah. that he did, and you guys are trying to make it a regular thing. Yeah, and I'm sad I didn't make the first one because I didn't hear about it ahead of time enough. Hundred percent, we're going great. to the next one. I bet, dude. How it was, was great. The turnout? You know, like uh. I was I was very hands on helping him out with it from from all the beginning yeah. infant conversations and we, you know, promoted the fuck out of it even though I'm not a partner on it. I just Freddie's a dear dear friend of mine. I love That's him to nice death. Of you. And uh, I remember Friday night when they were having the, the the tattoo competition. I was walking up and I see all the crowds and I'm looking around and I'm like, success! It's 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 happening. And then day two was good. So it felt good, you know, like yeah. their spirits were up. They, you know, they sold out of all their booths. They got through all the health department hiccups and all of us were lecturing the health department. Cause you know, it's like Ontario, they probably got three ladies in an office dealing with all this stuff. Damn. And then they're coming up and they're trying to tell him he needs, you know, sinks and every, and it's like, guys, I pulled one aside and I'm like, listen, I said, this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I said, let's all work together yeah. and make this Instead work. Of like being combating. Yeah, like let's let's bring this back every year. Let's 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 be a team and make this be successful so we can bring all these people and make money for Ontario for the next decade, you right. know. And and the girl that I was talking to, maybe she didn't even need to hear that because she was a sweetheart, you know, uh walking well, some of the other guys, clipboard. Maybe. Well, they got through it, you know. Um I, they compromised. They they had to go grab like ten or twenty more sinks and put them in spotted places yeah. where no one even used them, but Whatever. It was a su successful show. They already got the dates for next year. Super proud of Freddie. There was a void there. You know, Golden State has its niche, and it's great. Um, you know, Marco does Golden State. He puts on a great show, and we go big at that one as well. But now you got one out in the Inland Empire, which is, for those who don't know, the IE is east of L.A. It's pretty much like the okay. desert, an yeah. hour from the beach. But that's a whole other scene, you know, Riverside County, that has tons of great, you know, tattooers and uh, legends from musicians, skaters. It's still Southern California, you know? Like, yeah. Southern California still breeds innovation and, and you know, uh, hard workers or whatever. But, yeah, I'm proud of Freddie. Yeah, you got to go next year. I'm super excited about that and, and to have him on. And Sorry to cut you off. They also had a podcast room. They um, No way. Because Chris Wynn does a podcast every once in a while. He's not as consistent with it. But they had a room for podcasts so you could bring people in. So I'm sure they'd be happy to work with you on that. Dude, conventions is probably – 
I think about like how I'm going to travel to all these people and get because we're traveling to people right now. Like I'm not expecting like if I hit you up to be on my podcast, I'm not expecting you to come to me. That's like ridiculous. I'm going to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, you got you. a team. You got a team. Yeah, man. and and it's kind of fun. You know, you kind of you kind of make a trip of it. You know, we're vlogging the trip too. It's more content and it just makes it fun. I don't really get the chance to travel that much because I got the shop and all of that. But now it gives me like a purpose to travel and stuff. So. Um, Are you knocking out any other podcasts on this trip? We were trying to get one tomorrow morning. Uh, Alexi. Uh, from Vatican? Yeah, from Vatican. Um, he did, He wasn't able to confirm a time with me or anything like that, but that was kind of scrappy trying to get a second one last minute. You were the main reason why we were coming out here. And like I said, I got to go right back and start that three-day back-to-back on the back piece and shit, so I really didn't have that much time anyways. But in the future, it would be better if we could knock out multiple on one trip because it just make the money worth it because yeah. the hotels and flying these guys out and doing all that stuff, right? And that's the thing is, like, it takes, like, effort and money to fund a podcast, especially a traveling one. But I believe in it so much, and I, I feel like it aligns with... I talk too much, bro, as for a regular person. I talk a lot. <laughs> Do you yeah. remember the first time he came out here? What, was I talking your No, we both were, because okay. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, dude, fuck. And, and that's one of the biggest things. When I do podcasts and I re-listen to it, I'll just be like, Jeremy, shut the fuck up. You talk too much, <laughs> and you talk too fast. So I'm trying to get better at just being a good listener and just not rambling. But I remember when you edited your, edited your video, you made a comment like that. You're like... I met somebody who who talks a lot like me or something like yeah, that. We, okay. You know, it's some some comment where it's like, you know, me and Jeremy talking to each other, something like that, but I chuckled. No, I love that you're it makes you easy to talk to though, and I feel like that's how I am too. But you're right. Every once in a while I gotta check myself. Am I talking too much? Did I let them talk enough? Am I going all on a tangent right now and going crazy? But I talk too much for a regular person. I feel like I talk just enough for a podcaster. I was asking Jose Mangan downstairs. He runs, uh, you know, Liquid Metal and Octane. You saw the stage set up yes. downstairs. And he, uh, Beautiful. when we got our podcast going, I was asking him, even though he's not a podcaster, he's a radio, you know, radio personality, um, the dead air part. Mm. You know, I think sometimes I ramble in some of my very first podcasts or, or radio interviews. I would talk so much and talk so fast. I think I was afraid of dead air. And he's like, no, don't be afraid of that. He's like, it builds suspense. Yeah. I don't know if you've listened to like Howard Stern, but there's sometimes I haven't listened to him in years, but when I used to, there'd be times where it would be so silent for like 10 seconds. You'd think the radio cut out, Yeah. but he right. was just thinking, or like, even like sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll watch like an Elon Musk interview and they'll oh, ask him a the question. He's the slowest guy. You know talking, what I mean? Yeah. He's sitting there thinking, but there's no rules. You can think for 15 seconds before you answer a question. You don't dude. need to ramble it off. You can you can think. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, that's me saying it out loud, telling myself that probably. You no, know? it's funny. But I, I agree, though, because uh, I've also intentionally tried to get better at speaking as far as articulating myself and saying um less and like less and stuff like that. Instead of saying um and saying all this filler words yeah. while you're thinking, it's okay to go silent for a second while you're letting your mind catch up to what you're going to say and then saying it. And even though to you as the person doing it, it might feel like dead air. It's actually part of the part of your, what you're saying. And it, and it works. It and makes it, it more it real. It sounds too. better. Yeah. It just, it just sounds cleaner. It sounds like you're really thinking about the point you're trying to make instead of just shooting words out. And it makes it feel like you're being more intentional with what you're saying. Like Elon and like Musk, dude. And like Jose says, it, it builds, it builds a, uh, like a uh, suspense, you know, like, Oh, he's thinking. It's like a dramatic, a dramatic, Dram pause. yeah, a dramatic pause. Like, 
uh oh, something's good about to come out. <laughs> yeah, dude. and then you say something and it's bullshit. Yeah. Like, God damn it! <laughs> Fuck, that's what I'm scared of. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, and like I said, like uh, you could plan too much ahead, especially for these podcasts. Like I'm like, damn, how much how much planning should I do? How much like free flow should I do? And I know there's a couple. I ended up settling on having a couple of notes of stuff I wanted to bring up, but generally not too specific because once we get into the flow of things, like how it's already been. I, I've already flowed through a lot, bro. Like, and it's in it without effort. And I well, feel you like and I, was, we hit it off. Yeah. You know, it's like you hit it off with some people, some people you don't. But I liked you from the get, and I know every time we ran into each other, it's always been good vibes. You know, so I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous about this one. No, I wasn't either. I, I think the only thing that was nerve wracking was um, the build up because we had to travel here, oh, we yeah. had this setup, we had to do. So there's so much time going before it. All for like an hour or so podcast, right? So there's hours and hours and hours of buildup, right? But I knew, I kept telling this to myself. I'm like, dude, I feel so comfortable with Jeremy, bro. Like, I, I literally feel like you're my honorary uncle. And it's like, <laughs> ever since I knew your Instagram was Uncle Jeremy, I'm like, bro, that's like my uncle, bro. That's like, right, I'm nephew. You. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so every time I see you at conventions and shit, it's like super dope over the years to uh, even see you there. Because when I was first going to conventions, I was like, nervous and shit i didn't know nobody and anytime i would see someone that knew who i was or i knew who they were i was excited i was like oh cool someone to talk to so every time i see you at a convention it feels like oh yes finally okay someone i really fuck yeah. with you know absolutely yeah and um uh fuck you were bringing up earlier uh you know after the first time we met how you wanted to continue the relationship right, right, yeah I'm always gonna I'm always gonna tug on my artist friend's shirt we or on your sleeve. We say ain't got a, we still don't have a Solon shirt with you, man. That's the way to that's the way to really build the relationship. Get a Solon shirt with your name on it. Uh. Of course, like there's plenty of tattooers that you know. And Ryan, I tell everyone, Ryan's a picky motherfucker. Like he, you yeah, know, you told me that before. He's very yeah. picky and selective, but at the same time, there's some people where here he'll communicate with a little bit more and give direction or change this, change that. Let's do something like this. Sometimes it might even be collaboration art, but there's a lot of tattooer friends. Um, even if they don't get a shirt going, we always try to build content, you know, just like you are, you know, like, yeah. I'd love to get some photo shoots with you. Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, you got your own clothing brand now, don't you? Um, well, we got the Peaks merch, like that my shop oh, stuff and shop stuff shirt. like that. Okay. What, what did you see that you were um, talking about? What, 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 what? What clothing? clothing? Stuff. Yeah, what are you talking I about? I thought I saw it could have been a month or a year, two years ago, but I thought maybe I saw you promoting like some clothes, but maybe it was just a shop shop merch. So a couple of my guys in my shop actually started a clothing brand called Winsome, and they were doing really good, and I was probably promoting that a little mm. bit. And then yeah, shop merch. We want to go deeper into the clothing and stuff, but man, that's like a whole thing in itself, dude. Like especially it's if you're if you're buying all of your stuff, if you don't have like a manufacturer that's going to manufacture as they order you have to put out a lot of money to get yeah. this shit in, right? And I don't think a lot of people understand how much of an investment it is to go. They're like, oh, you should do your own sweaters and jackets and this and that. I'm like, yeah, bro, you got fucking $50,000 to go get this first run? And it's like a lot, right? It's a lot. And I'm not a, I'm not a hater, you know? Like, anytime someone comes to me and asks for my advice, like, there's room for everybody. But at the same time, I'm going to tell them it's a bad investment, you know, like, clothing's a tough investment sure if it's if it's you know shop merch you can always sell those but that's different i see those differently yeah but yeah. if you're trying to have a brand you know and like 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 when you first asked me at the beginning you know explain who i am in a few sentences like i feel like that's what a brand needs to do 100 it needs to have a story and you need to be able to tell that story in like three sentences you know whether whether you're the 
you know, the emo hip hop brand or you're the tattoo art brand or, you know, you're the punk rock skate brand. Like everyone's got a, a, a vibe right. and it is a pain in the ass, but that's part of the reason for our success. Cause a lot of tattooers will get shop merch going and they get so frustrated how bad it comes back. Like their art doesn't come back well. Whereas a lot of times they'll, they'll give their art to Ryan. And by the time Ryan prints it on a shirt, they're like, I like the art better than when I gave it right. to him. He's able to, you know, sprinkle his, his magic dust on it. But, but yeah, man, it, just like we were talking about with this podcast, excuse me, nobody, and this is what I, I love hanging out with my entrepreneur friends or just people doing different things. Nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes. Nobody right. knows how much work you put into getting here. Right. Booking the flights, the hotels, all this equipment, your crew. Yeah. Nobody knows. Any entrepreneur, you know, it's like the behind the scenes, nobody knows what you got to go through. Opening your own shop. Dude, that's been the craziest journey ever. Right. And five years ago that's when I was here. Grown up shit. Dude, five years ago when I was here, I, I was still in someone else's shop. And going through that process, especially going as big as we did, because I, I got like a 5,000 square foot building and, um, it's it's not just like a rectangle that you throw furniture in yeah. like we had to do a lot to it right and through that journey with contractors and and uh blueprints and permits and all this crazy stuff i learned a lot it took us a year to build out the building to where it's at today and we still got a little more to do but i learned i learned a lot of stuff the hard way which i'm thankful for because it's like experience money can't buy mm -hmm. and i tell a lot of people when they want to start their own shop i'm like don't just like some people think stuff sounds really cool just because it, it just sounds cool. And then, but when you go through the actual reality of doing it and then what you get out of it versus what your responsibilities are, you kind of got to gauge what kind of responsibilities you want for the outcome, you know, because and that's people, what you learn the hard way. Probably. Yeah, exactly. And so even doing this podcast, it's hard because I have to invest in this podcast, but I have the shop to worry about and all of that stuff. And I have to keep the guys going. You know, we just had two guys leave shit mm. that you don't like people don't know about yeah. that you have to deal with yeah. right and then uh, a lot of the guys i'm i'm friends with so you got to deal with the dynamic of them being the artist and being your friends and shit and so that's a hard thing to check right there's a lot of tattooers that don't like being shop owners uh, you know yeah. there's a lot of tattooers you'd think by now you'd have your own shop and they're like i did it once i hated it yep i just rather tattoo yep. i don't want to babysit i don't want to manage i don't want to have to order everything i don't want to have to pay the bills and fix the leaky pipes yeah you know like it's not for everybody a lot of you know you and uh and my partner ryan you know like for artists you know you guys are able to really wrap your head around it all rather than just you know what is it artists use what right right side of their brain i think yeah one of those yeah i, 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 I don't i forget you too, know what i mean yeah for sure but um and I also went a more ambitious track with our shop because I've worked in different shops that were either not supportive or, you know, some shops wouldn't even tag me in my own work on the shop page Interesting. or some shops will even charge you for them to post you on the page, which that. is nuts. To I've me. heard that. I'm like, bro, this doesn't make sense. If the artist gets booked out and they're tattooing, the shop makes money. So why would you charge the artist to it just doesn't make sense to me, right? So I've always been in stuff where I wanted to do stuff like content, even the shop I was at five years ago, all this stuff that just didn't really like me doing the extra stuff. It's almost like you want an artist to be like, hey, just sit down, shut up and tattoo and then go home, come back and tattoo. Like that's ideally what some people would want. Yeah. In my environment, I wanted to breed it to be like, hey, I'm supportive of you building your own personal brand. I want you to be known on your own. I want people to know, hey, Jack, Jack, we have Jack in the back. I want him to start doing his own shit so that people are like, hey, that's Jack. Oh, and he works at Peaks and Valleys. You know, like, 
I'm okay with that because yeah. if we have a team full of people that are entrepreneurial in their mindset and they really take it serious and they want to connect with people aside from them just posting their work, I want them to get in that mode because it makes the shop look like a conglomerate of people that are really on the same page. Absolutely. As right. long as they're showing up on time and, you know, turning their drops and customer services on point and all that, you yeah. know, like doing their part. Yeah. they, Especially in today's world, you yeah. know, yeah. today's world, it's everyone's brand building. Yeah, exactly. So how do you stand out? Right. That's right. the tough part. Right. But that's also what helps about us all being together because we could brainstorm off each other. Not only in that, but in tattooing, a huge part of it is it's hard for me to hire an artist that is already top tier that doesn't already have their own shit going on. Yeah. And then you have to compete with the fact that they probably pay fucking nothing in booth rent because they have a good situation and maybe they're they're partners in a shop with some, they, someone who's really fucking good has already got a good situation most of the time. So my way to combat that is I bring in young artists that are at a certain skill level. Diamonds in the rough that you know you can teach. Yes. And they'll absorb it. Yes. And you guys can grow together. Yes. Jack is a great uh, example of that. I Jack's the one I met earlier. Yes. Yes, sir. And he he came along. He got tattooed at our shop by one of my artists and stuff. And I met him. Didn't even know he was a tattoo artist. And then I found out he was. And I looked at his work. I was like, okay, he's pretty good. He um, came in there, got tattooed, didn't even say anything about tattooing. Well, he actually, funny story. He's actually been a. Uh, Kind of like uh, following me for a long time. He actually messaged me years ago, and I didn't even read the message. So that was a funny thing to talk about <laughs> when we met each other. And uh, But his energy was so good, right, off the bat, like when I was talking to him. And I could relate to a lot of stuff he was saying, and it was just uh, – I just got a good energy from it. And then I also tried to gauge – if I were to tell him something like, hey, you need to – make this bigger in your design so the proportion is better and then also you got to contrast that a little better and put black there or like some specific mm -hmm. like tattoo language if i told him to do it would he do it had him guest spot and stuff i told him some tips he did it and ever since then and ever since we hired him as soon as i knew that he could be moldable i was like okay as long as he takes my my advice and shit he could in six months he'll be a different artist and that's exactly what happened because did? yeah 100 percent, dude like uh i could even I could even show you some work that he did before you came with us and a work that he did six months in. Like, the first tattoo he ever did at Peaks was his best tattoo because he had direction. He had someone to be, like, adjust what he's doing. Because before that, you work in a shop where no one talks to each other about technique. Right. They don't want to step on each other's toes. But in our shop, the environment's different. It, we will step on all – we'll dance on your toes as long as it means that you're doing better decisions and stuff like that, right? Plus, the style that we do has, like, specific system on how you get the look. Mm -hmm. And I have it down so packed in my head that it flows out. So when someone asks me a question about, especially about black and gray, but tattooing in general, it just flows out, dude. And I'm so blessed to have gotten to that point. To it's where, a good system. It makes for some killer sleeves. Yeah, man. And it's, like, even designing to application and all of that. So anybody that we bring on, I try to give them everything they need to succeed also at our shop i provide everything i provide the needles i provide everything but your machine because i wanted it to be like hey you don't gotta worry about shit like our, our manager's gonna book you we're gonna do that we're gonna do that but aftercare you can give it to your client for free like and we uh we use tattoo lovers because we've been with them since they first started and stuff so Good we're kind of loyal to them and stuff but uh um, how many guys you got in the shop tattooing uh it, just before these two guys left we had about 11 now yeah. we have about nine. One guy is moving from Alaska. He starts in September, and he's moving his family from Alaska to come work with us in Sacramento. And he's a great – he. we got lucky with him. He's a great artist. His name is Jeremy Doty. He's he's 
a great artist already, but he's so humble that he doesn't even know he's good, which is crazy to us. We're like, dude, this guy's so nice. He's so humble. He doesn't even know how good he is. And he's going to be even better after he gets Perfect. here. So those are like ideal people that you would look out for, right? Because they're they're humble and moldable and stuff, right? And then they could become an even better person through the purpose of tattooing and being around people that are in the same the same mind frame. Maybe sometimes <clears throat> you said he has a family. He's married with kids. He has a wife and a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that um, you know he's probably not you know a party animal. Right. Right. Which is actually stuff that we have to deal with. Right. You got to see where. Where in someone's life are they and what their motivations are? And that's kind of what we have Yeah, to it's unfortunate. With. You already know the, you know, the, the tattooers and like traveling musicians, rock stars almost go hand in hand. Yeah, you know, it's 100%. like you're getting you're getting attention, you're getting free drugs, you're getting people wanting to party with you. It's easy. You know, there's a there's a lot of a lot of addiction in the tattoo yeah. world. And now, you know, I, I got tattooer friends in their forties deciding to go get addicted on drugs like man you're supposed to do that bro, when in you're your kid. 40s bro what are you doing like dude you're on top of the world and you're gonna lose it all on this why uh, why why do you think that is though do you think it's like a uh, a call to something more exciting during like a mundane life because i feel like some people just get stuck in their life and then they just see exciting shit and they're like i just want to go do that and just i think drop it's, everything i think it's uh what do you call it like maybe gateway gateway drugs because you i've seen it i've seen it prog progress from some tattooers you know maybe they're just smoking weed and drinking a little bit and then you know a couple years later you know they're they're taking some norcos and right. then two years later they're on heroin you know or it started off a little bit of blow and now they're doing meth you know i feel like just some people have those addictive personalities thank god i don't but a lot of them just have you know that addictive personality where it just progresses to something that you get lost yeah and i think that addiction could also it, it doesn't just have to only be stuff but i think like you could be kind of addicted to alcohol and kind of addicted to the excitement of like partying and like mm -hmm. that type of thing. and the combination of those two makes for a good chunk of your life and it ends up being like your motivation right you're doing this tattoo to get some money so you can go there and then do this fucking crazy partying yeah. and shit but i the, i tried to because i've gone through my phase obviously right but i also have such a different perspective on life because of the way i came up that sometimes when i was younger i felt like i was missing out on the exciting parts of life and then as I got older, I realized that that's not like what real life is. That's not where, where the real substance of life where satisfaction comes from is. And it's good to do that stuff every once in a while. But if that's what you live for, bro, it's almost like you're getting these spikes of dopamine all the time when you're doing these things. And then when you're not doing them, you feel like shit. Your life is, ain't shit. You're just like, man, if I'm not partying or I'm not like drinking and shit, I just feel like I'm not doing anything. Yeah, but you got you to gotta, you gotta head start, you know, like Gary Vee's of the world will sit there and tell you, you know, fuck off and party while you're in your 20s. You know, your 20s is when you're just having a good time. He's like, you're 42, you're young. That's yeah. what he says. He's yeah. like, you're fucking just starting. And I'm like, I get what he's saying. But, but at the same time, like, I partied hard in my 20s. Even though we started Sullen, I think I was like uh, 25. Uh, but we were partying while we were doing it. But it was, it was kind of part of getting the word out. Right, 100%. You know, your 30s is when you're really kind of figuring things out. But you're ahead of the game, you know. And then, you're, and then a lot of times late 30s and 40s is when, you know, the money starts coming in. You know, so yeah, man, you you got a head start. You're you're an old soul. You're yeah, man. I you know sometimes it feels like a gift and a curse, right? But um, there's plenty of times, you know, like sometimes on, on people ask me like uh you know like what my hobbies are. Yeah. For what we do, I don't tattoo, but you know we're in the same industry. We get to hang out with our friends. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't go to dive bars. I don't really hang out with friends. I you I I work my ass off. I travel a lot. But these are my friends, you know what I mean. So uh, I don't, I don't feel like some 
dork that doesn't have hobbies because I get to hang out with all these creative, cool people all over the world. Yeah. And me and my wife like traveling. I try to take my wife to as many places as I can. I'm trying to check those places off the list. I love traveling. You seem traveling. busy, bro. You, you, you seem like you're all over the place. You're even, you know, I, a few days ago you were doing something and then, you know, you're going to the convention this weekend, I think. Yep, Am yep. I right? San Diego. Um, dude, how, how do you keep up with that level of movement and like capacity in your mind because a lot of people struggle with this having that many moving parts and being able to like function and constantly be on the go i'm just always trying to figure out how to uh to uh not have stress anxiety lose my mind you know like um i live in huntington beach and at least a few days a week i want to go to the beach the cliffs right even if it's just to just to see it you yeah. know what i mean i'll go there I'll pray, I'll meditate, I'll breathe, I'll stretch, I'll just take it all in, you know, and just, and just, you know, not only that, but, um, I've told a lot of my tattooer friends that, you know, get, get anxiety about, uh, uh, the calm app. It's a meditation yes. app. You familiar with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I use that so much, whether I need to calm my ass down, if I can't sleep at night, they got ones you can click if you wake up in the middle of the night and you just got some you know, some lady with a sweet British accent, you know, Maybe. talking you back to sleep yeah. or, 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 or yeah. you know, walking you through how to breathe through this situation. And of course, you learn how to meditate. But I mean, meditation, gym, and now in my older age, I'm real big on sleep. You know, I used to be Huge like, oh, you know, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. I've never been, a, don't get me wrong, I've never been an early riser, but I used to say, fuck it, I can sleep when I'm dead. Whereas now I, I keep hearing, you know, all these things about how lack of sleep, you know, could lead to Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, Lou Gehrig's, Shortening all these of life in general. Yeah. Too. So now I'm like, I'm okay with sleeping in an extra hour if, you know, cause I want to make sure I get those six, seven hours sleep. So I'm just, I'm just trying not to lose my mind, you know? Um, no. And I, I relate to that a lot and I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I didn't know if you were in the meditation and all of that stuff. But because a lot of people that hear that initially and they're just off put by it because they just they think of it as like, woo, woo. Right. But it's it's 100 percent real. And what I preach to artists that want to, like, get bigger and do better, I'm like, it's a lot about balance, about centering yourself and being able to uh, calm yourself so you could be more effective at what yes. you're doing. And a lot of the artists, especially when they're coming up, they're very tunnel vision. They're very head down tattooing, which is a good thing. But I remember a time in my career when I was doing that. I would wake up, I would have a large coffee, go to the shop, draw, put the stencil on, tattoo for ungodly amounts of hours, go home and realize I hadn't eaten a yes. single thing. Yes. And I only had coffee, no water. Dehydrated, malnourished. I was skinny as shit, and I felt so. You unhealthy. guys are bad for that. It's fucking and your back and shit and all that. Yeah, stuff. Or, or you're ordering, you know, fast food delivered Crap. every day, you know. Crap. Yeah, you know, you're still young. You don't have to worry about it quite so much, but the fact that you're even talking about it, you know, shows. But yeah, I'm a I'm a big sauna guy. Saunas I love so fucking love saunas, man. I preach saunas all the time. It's like you sit in a sauna for 30 minutes. I think I read it's equivalent to running like five miles. You know, right? Your heart rate's up. You're sweating. Your skin's your biggest organ on your body. And it lowers your risk at like a uh, certain heart. Oh yeah, heart disease, high, high uh, blood uh, by a lot. Oh yeah, and 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 they say if you go to the sauna like three days a week for X amount of years, it can add like five to ten years on your life. You know, like which so. is crazy. And then some people I don't think know the value of lengthening your life until you start getting older, and yeah. then you're like, damn, wait, I wasn't doing anything to help this along, and now I'm getting older, and I feel older. Like they're gonna get in their forties, and they're gonna feel like they're sixty. You know, and that's what I never wanted for myself. And I think just to 
to sum it all up, I try to preach self-care to people because yeah. a lot of people think that self-care is secondary to everything else when I would say it's first and then everything else comes after that. It's unfortunate a lot of people learn too late. Yeah, dude. And then even, you know, you got a family and you have friends and stuff. I feel like the more better your self-care is, the better you show up for those people in their life and you're more effective. And I feel like a big thing for me has always been I wanted to be a more effective human for other people. And then that first happens with how I treat myself. And then it relates to how you treat other people. You can't really pour into anybody else unless your own cup is full. Right. And not only that, but like, I need to have a clear head, you know, like I've, I've, I've gone through some, some, I've had some personal family stuff going on, you know, with like, um, addiction and having to put family right. members in rehab and te having teenagers and, you know, depressed daughter and stuff. And it's just like, some people would hit the bottle or go to the bars and stuff. But for me, you know, like when life gets hard, I stay sober because it's just like, what's next? Yeah. What's next? You know, like sometimes when it, when it rains, it pours, it's, it's the truth. Just like, really God, you're going to throw this at me now too. Like there's times where so much bullshit's coming my way, but that's what makes you the man that you are in yeah. the future. And, and I, and I kind of, I try to realize that and just, it, 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 it almost helps me get past it. It's just like, okay, it's a storm. It will pass. Right. But figuring out how to get through that storm or over that wall or around that wall that's what makes, you know, successful entrepreneurs. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta go through that to get where you are. You know? Yeah. It makes you stronger. And then you want to get out on the other side of that without being like beat yourself down into the ground the whole time where you're just like, Oh, my life sucks. Fucking no, you gotta, it's happening. You gotta, stuff. you gotta be a warrior. You gotta yeah. put your warrior mask on and be like, all right, motherfuckers, you're going to be throwing bullshit at me. Let's, let's, let's handle this. You know? So it's like, I'll, I'll stay. I, I, I almost like, I party to celebrate, you know, if I'm at a wedding right, exactly, or somewhere yeah. and it's a reason to celebrate, but I won't, I won't drink because I'm having a bad day. Like that's not, that's the way even I'm worse. Cause your motivations to drink turn into a negative thing. And then you start associating drinking with anything negative. And, oh, then, and then you wake up hungover and now you still got that problem you got to deal with, but now you got a hangover. Like, and then life becomes like one big sigh, like where you're just like, <sighs> get me like, away. Dude, like I gotta do this, and it's like, yeah, you lose all your resiliency and shit like that. So, yeah, that's a huge part for me, just being effective and stuff for other people, staying centered, staying calm, becoming stronger as I get older and not weaker and stuff. Um, I mean, even physically, like working out is such a huge thing, not only for your mental peace, but I've always just wanted to like be healthy and yeah. shit like that because yeah. I grew up with no example of that. Didn't have a dad, didn't have any figures to tell me that like, hey, you need to be a man, you need to be strong. But as I got older, I got more mentors and stuff like that, which I'm super gracious for. And, um, you know, one of them said, like, a bomb could go off right now and I would, the, the dust would settle and I'd be in the center of that sipping my coffee. I would just be right there just fucking calm as shit, just fucking let it all happen. I got it. And I, and I respect that type of resiliency because there's so much that you can go through in life. And you come out on the other end of it victorious, you know. And you can that. do that for other people too, because a lot you're gonna. I'm sure you're the backbone for a lot of your family and stuff like that. Like you said, you're helping them with their addictions and rehab and stuff. I'm that for my family as well, not specifically like rehab and shit. But um, I so the only reason my family is still not homeless or still not poor is only because I tattoo. There's nothing else that's been changed other than that I tattoo, right? So I have to put up with the fact that it's not like I'm just making money for myself or doing better for myself. It's like, A, setting an example for my siblings and my nephews and, and my my mom, my sisters and stuff, and providing them, them 
with what I can to at least keep them not on the fucking bottom of the barrel, you know? And I know that's a slippery slope when you start helping family members. I'm sure you dealt with this. But you start helping family members, and it becomes a regular thing, and it becomes something they rely on, and then you can't escape it. Now you're helping 10 different people. Yeah. That's the hard one to balance for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. You want to you wanna help, but at the same time, they got to they gotta help themselves. Yeah, and that's tough. My mom's a little different, though. I feel like my mom has done so much for me when I was younger that it's like it's like I'm almost repaying her efforts out of her life to get me to where I'm at today. And although I didn't have the greatest childhood, she was always there to keep me safe and shit. So I could give my mom everything, and I still wouldn't blink about it. You know? It sucks to say, but like if you got cancer tomorrow, you know, and you're in the hospital, right. a lot of your friends aren't going to show up, or people that you thought were your friends. Your family are the ones that are going to be there for you. You know, even if you're you're mad at a brother, sister, cousin, all of a sudden when when it, you know when life happens, they're going to be there. You know, right. your family, your family's your family's the only people that are going to really be there when when we're on our deathbeds. You know, and it's unfortunate, you know, like friendships, you know, especially me being in my 40s now, like you, you realize you have to you have to nurture friendships, you you know, like. Right. And I'm yeah. real I'm real big on like um, I'm big on reading. I like reading uh, whether it's Cora or different things where like old people on their deathbed, like say a, a nurse, uh, a hospice nurse. This yeah. is a this is a nurse who deals with people dying and and, you know. She talks to all these old people. Never, ever, ever do you hear these old people say, I wish I would have worked harder. They never, never say that. They never say that. They always say, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have kept my friendships because there's so many friendships that just diminish, you know, and whether you still got their number or social media or not, like they just, they just, they, 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 they fall apart. You, you know, friendships, you got to really, you know, well, nurture you gotta them. To keep you got to water. You got to water your grass. Yeah. yeah. And the only thing that I found difficult about that is a lot of my friends that I end up developing are people that I work with. And same with you too, right? But if I'm, that's also why being like a shop owner and then having your artists be your friends and the most people I'm around, like the majority of the time, is those people. You become friends with them, but then there's like a different dynamic amongst it where it could just become bad. I learned the hard way. Um, I used to try to get everyone together. Yeah. And uh, whether you're out having drinks somewhere, you're celebrating, or, you know, like my parents got 20 acres out in Temecula. And I, you know, Damn. one time we had like all of our, um, all of our staff out there and you're sitting there drinking beers around the fire or whatever. And all of a sudden I realized, and it, you know, it happened once, twice. And then once it happened five times, I'm like, all right, I got to fix this. But people start wanting to have those uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. You know, like they get a few beers in them and they want to start talking about why they haven't got a raise or why, you know, these, these, these business conversations, it's like, oh man, we were having a good time. Now you want to sit here. And there's so many of my employees that didn't realize that was inappropriate. And once it started happening so many times, I realized, damn it, I can't drink with my employees anymore. Yeah. I used to want it to be a big family vibe and we all got along. We were friends after work, but then they'd want to talk about these things that I didn't want to talk about. It's like, I got, I got six beers in me and you want to talk to me about how you don't like this person at work or what, you know what I mean? Like, and the only reason you're talking about it now is because you got felt loose enough yes. to open up. They got one-on-one -on -one time or they got this, this moment where they can talk to me or sometimes they, I'm really going to open up and tell Jeremy how I feel. It's just like, no, yeah. now I don't want to hang out with you after, yeah, after dude, work now anymore. It's weird and shit, yeah. You that's know? something you talk to me when we're sober, you know, and we, 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 you know, we plan it, you don't hit me up on this, 
grievance or whatever in front of people or thinking you're not getting paid enough or whatever it was. So things like that, you know, I learned the hard way. Well, the problem is, is like, you know, that communication is key in any type of relationship, yeah. right? But, and I've always preached that. You could preach that to your people all day long until something uncomfortable happens that needs to be communicated and different people's tolerances for how well they handle those conversations varies and it's a spectrum. So even though I preach or you preach or someone preach communication amongst the group, when something really needs to be said, they're going to hold it in and then it festers and then it yep. becomes a mutiny and then it becomes something bigger than it needed to be. And now you're bringing up shit from a year ago that you didn't like happened, but you never told me about it. But yeah, now it's the that. reason now it's the reason that everything's falling apart because of it. Oh, well, there's so many times an, uh, an employee will quit for something better or more pay, but it's like, if you would ask for that, I would have gave it to you. Yeah, 100%. And that's something I learned early. You have to ask for it. And I tell everyone, anyone that I work with, I'll tell them, if there's ever anything I can do to help, feel free. Always open door, yeah. open phone policy. Right. The worst I can say is no. But I don't mind you asking for anything, you know, because sometimes there's ways I can help people, and it's right here on my lap. And, you know, whether it's a contact or a quick phone call to somebody, like there's ways I can help them. Worst I can say is no. Right. You know, but, yeah, I learned that. I learned that, luckily, early in age where – you have to ask for it. You have to put it out in, you know, in the universe. And don't just assume the person's reaction, too, because, like, if you're going to assume the way I would react to it, like, oh, he's never going to say yes to that, so I'm just going to hold on to this as a problem. And it's like, well, that could have just been solved so easily. But, you know, I think that some people also self-sabotage a situation if they also – speaking specifically to people that want to go do a different situation, if you want to go and, like, experience something different – that's totally I, of course you would support different. that right but then they feel like they have to justify to you why they want to go do that and then they start pulling out just random shit mm. like grabbing at straws yeah and i'm like so oh. they sleep better at night right so i feel like don't even give me a justification i don't need one if it's just that you want to go experience different stuff that's fucking fine with me you know as long as you do it in the right way and you give me a heads up and all yeah. that type of stuff and i'm not saying this is right but if somebody isn't asking for a raise a lot of times we're just they don't get a raise you know yeah, what i mean like 100%. there's a lot of people that work 10 years and they're and they don't ever ask for a raise maybe they deserve a raise maybe i'm guilty of not giving them a raise but unless you ask for it sometimes you know the machine keeps moving well the light life keeps going you have your own yeah. personal life then you have work life and it's like they think that they're not necessarily on their situation isn't necessarily on your mind 100 percent of the time where you're mm -hmm. just like maybe i should give them a raise yeah the out of sight out of mind thing is yeah. real yeah and it's not that your intentions are bad it's that it's just not on your mind yes. so when they bring it up as a problem it becomes like wow this is out of nowhere because i had no idea you were thinking like yeah thank you for bringing it to my attention thank you for bringing it to my attention let's see what we could do about it exactly you know? and as i get older and i do the business and stuff and i'm sure i'll deal with it more in the future but um that's just something i have to learn you know and you have to learn from a situation, take that, and then handle the next situation better, handle the next situation better. And that that's just the the cold reality of learning those hard lessons is you have to go through them and then apply them on the next time. And you could sit there and reflect and be like, damn, I wish I handled that differently. But it's like, well, you didn't, you didn't really know. You have to go on to the next one. And these kind of conversations are good for maybe other tattooers out there that right. are thinking of opening up a shop. You know, like I said, um, I don't care if it's, you know, some of these famous musicians I told you that roll through here to, to get on Jose's show. But when you get to know them, you realize, like, they're just real people. And, and the behind-the-scenes shit that happens, no one no one knows what it really yeah. takes. No one really knows what you went through 
to get where you are. Cause I'm sure you got people that are jealous, you know, oh, this guy, he's doing this and that, you know, it's like, that's right. He's doing it. He's doing it. You right. know, like, right. It never is what, you know, the behind the scenes, that's just real interesting to me. I don't care what type of business it is, but when you get to know someone behind the scenes, you're like, Oh, okay. Those are the lumps and bruises you took. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you, you went through that and this and that, you know, like, that's interesting to me. Yeah, it's all about managing people more than it is managing anything else. And then you have everything else on top of that. So it's like some people could simplify the situation and be like, oh, all you need is a building and, and to get passed by the health department. And then you just tattoo. What's the big deal? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, sure, buddy. Sure. But, you know, when you especially if you want to do something different and, like, ambitious and you're dealing with a lot of people and stuff, it's like, yeah, you're going to have to go through those uh, lumps and bruises and stuff. I don't feel like a lot of people understand that. But, um off top off topic to another thing that we were talking about i 100 percent want to do a collab solon shirt you got any ideas i mean i could start putting some shit together and then you could show it to ryan and see if he's inspired by it i'd love to wear your own i feel shirt. like i feel like that's how it's gonna have to go because you said he's picky and stuff like that i feel like uh we just got to find like a good middle ground where he feels like oh this is this there is are cool. times um not very often but there are times where if I send him art, you know, there'll be a paragraph with it. And I'll give him a reason of why I would personally like this person to get <laughs> so a shirt gotta, going. You got to explain the inspiration. Like He already knows who you are, though. Oh, like, okay. Like, I don't know. If, have have you met? I don't know if you have. I'm asking you. You're asking me. I don't I don't know, dude, because if I told I you, he don't he don't go to the conventions. He's a quiet, sh you know, shy, introverted kind of guy. If you get him on a conversation that he likes, he'll talk your ear off. Yeah. Um. But there are, I, but I know he, I know he's very familiar with you. Actually, he sent me one of your. No, he did. He did. I swear to God, he sent me one of your, one of your Q and As, and I was like, yeah, he's the homie. Damn. And I think he's like, yeah, I know. But what he does, like, he'll he'll DM me, um, well, he'll DM me on Solon because I'm guilty of not checking my personal DMs because I'm on, I'm engulfed in Solon social I've media. I DM you on your personal one. A it probably times. got unread. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. No, it's all good. Uh, but. You have a better chance of getting a hold of me on Solon, but he'll send me just different stuff, and sometimes it won't even say anything. He just wants me to see it, but he did. He sent me one of your Q and A's. That's fucking cool, dude. Yeah, yeah. He's so you're you're on his radar. I don't even need to give any, any emphasis. He knows that you and I are friends, so um, I'm sure he'd be I'm sure he'd be happy to get a shirt going with you. You know, as long as the art was there. You know, and 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 I've even heard him say, you know, like he's down to do you know collaborations you know bounce the art back and forth but let's do it man yeah that'd be sick dude um and that's cool how he's sending you that stuff I, I don't really know how much this reaches the right people and stuff like that and you know you, you get kind of too stuck on likes and views when you don't realize a lot of people don't realize if you, even if something only got like 100 likes the 100 people that did like it bro that's a hunt if we put 100 people in this room it would be a lot of people mm -hmm. and then it's like amongst those 100 people you're like oh damn that's oh shit that's so then you got to, or understand. when you, when you, I don't do this often, but, or if you go and you see who the people are, yeah, they're liking it, you know, and, I I, do and that not only that, but like Instagram picks and chooses when they want to open up the floodgates. That's so this could, part. yeah, this could be the greatest clip that deserves to have eyes on it. But that day, you know, or maybe yep. you posted a flyer the day before, which turned your algorithm engagement down. Who knows? You know, like who knows? Like sometimes some, clip that you didn't think is going to go off goes off and vice versa dude the, the randomest clips that i have are the ones that go off obviously the respect the ogs one was makes sense but then there's some shit about like a stencil what stencil printer we use mm. and i did it half a million fucking that was one that popped off one of them 
that we had a few that popped off and shit. But, but uh, I try to get into the mode where I'm not focused on the virality. I'm more focused on uh, just putting out consistent good shit. That's what I tell people. So many people are like insecure. And I'm like, and that's where I, that's where I brought you up a number of times. I'm like, go on Shine's page, like. He's he's put out so much different content, but that's what you got to do. You have to you have to try it out. And if this it. doesn't work, you can delete it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but try different things and see what works and you know, you'll find yourself that way. But you're not going to you're not going to find out what works not posting. I just tell people like post once a day. Figure it out. Figure out what content but post once a day every day and 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 a year from now you'll be doing a lot better. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think that social media guys, like, they see me as, like, a social media guy. I don't even really see myself like that because they think their excuse is, like, oh, I live in real life and you live on the Internet. And I'm like, bro, first of all, I have people that post shit for me. I, I don't not be, like, on it that much like that, like you would think. But at the same time, it's, like, the their their perspective on someone that does content is so skewed because you have no idea how hard it is to go ahead and put yourself out there and even if you didn't agree with my opinion me putting that opinion out there was hard enough in itself let alone having strangers comments on it and like judge everything about your being and your character just by what they see some people think they know exactly who i am by the things and they're totally wrong no man i've been impressed i'll sit there and listen i'll be like boom he nailed it and then another one like ding he got it again you know like i feel like so much of the stuff that you're spitting i agree with and you can tell that you're knowledgeable and you can tell you've already been around the block and you've taken taken your lumps and bruises you know yeah you just you, you have to put yourself out there you know and so many people are scared to do it including myself right yeah you know? and i think what's cool about getting a little broader than just talking about like how to pack black and shit like that i feel like getting a little bit more broader about life stuff because it all integrates into how well you do your profession is what's going to change the game because i don't feel like there's a lot of people in tattoo andy foe does a really good job he's starting to do this um it's just you know there's stuff around tattooing around that that is more a part of your outside life that makes everything better and i want to preach that to people and then try to grow myself into an example of it i, I wouldn't say i'm like the epitome of anything right now right because uh, i have my faults and stuff but it gives me a sense of purpose to be able to try to grow into someone who's very consistent and strong physically, mentally, spiritually, all this stuff, so that I could be that example or other people could be that example for young artists to be like, damn, I got into tattooing. I didn't even know this type of person existed. Someone who's like really like a respectable person all around, you know, not just, oh, you're just good at tattooing and art, but you're out of shape and you beat your wife and you're fucking aggressive and you have anger issues yeah. and stuff. It's kind of cool to try to uh, form that new archetype within tattooing that people could aspire to be and it's like a positive thing yeah 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 andy foe um he, he is killing it he, he he's like sometimes seems like david goggins of tattooing right and there's different styles of delivering it right and i'm not saying his style is my style yeah. of delivering it he's but doing it he's doing it and like good to your for point, you he's doing it yes. regardless of how you feel about it you could say that it's all motivational rah-rah without any but bro he's doing it and i watch it and i like it so yeah. i'm like it's, it's better than not doing anything. And I like what he's doing, and I'm not, when I don't say that as like, oh, it's better than nothing because what he's putting no, no, out there is good. It. No, yeah. but even if what he putting out wasn't that good, it's still better than nothing. And what I like about Andy is he 
he walks the walk. Yeah. And if he's telling you, like, hey, you got to be consistent with your working out, otherwise your body's going to go to shit. This dude wakes up at fucking 4 a.m. every day, and he's fucking takes a video of himself working out in his garage. He goes on a run. Every single morning, he'll do his, like, um, word of the day, and he's getting consistent. He's just starting to do that stuff, but he's already do very consistent. And he's doing a lot. He even just went on, um, I'm kind of jealous. He went to like Wes Watson's, you know, Wes Watson. Yeah. He went to his mansion mastermind thing. Really? Where, yeah. Where you, uh, he takes 10 people at a time. They go to his mansion and they have like this basically like. I wonder what he paid for that. 10K. 10K, huh? Yeah. I know that because I've asked about it and stuff. Uh, but I mean. I'm a Wes Watson fan. He's got some haters out there too, but. I love Wes Watson, dude. He fucking, he did it. He created it. And now he's that. You know, exactly. he might seem like a WWE wrestler screaming yeah. and spitting all the time, but. I saw some of his early videos where he start, first started yelling at the camera and shit. And yeah, it sounded a little off, but I think that's him finding his style of delivery. Did you see his first videos? It was a different page where he was telling the prison stories. Of course. Yeah, yeah you absolutely. know, like that's before he even like started doing the motivational stuff, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I like what he does is he figured out uh, – this is more on the business end, but he figured out a system on how to deliver the coaching to where it's super effective and it's super lucrative and it requires less of him than other systems might do. So that's what he also teaches people is how to coach people. So not only does he coach people on fitness and all that mindset stuff, but he also coaches people on how to coach people. Oh, interesting. So that's when I first connected with him and stuff. And one of my friends had paid him to do that, and he said it changed his whole outlook on how really? he does it. And I love it because I want to get into that too. Like um, I've done everything for free. I don't charge anybody anything for anything. My my free content is valuable. So now if I feel like I'm going to do something behind a paywall, it better be fucking valuable, you know, for even a dollar. It needs to be something that's really in-depth and something that people get value out of. But I've always been wondering, how do I package that to make it fair, make it, like, make sense and make it... Because, like, I would love to fucking replace a good chunk of my tattooing with teaching people how to do this stuff, right? Yeah. And become better people. Especially when you get older. Right, dude. Because you, you, you have a physical job, you know? Your back might not last yeah dude and then a lot of tattoo artists i think as, as they get older they're trying to grab at straws to figure out what they're going to yes. do after tattooing and it's a sad sight to see legends not know what the fuck they're going to do and trust you can me. go bankrupt trust me i a lot of my dear dear friends who are fucking legends are broke and trying to figure out how to get out of debt and it breaks my heart ryan put together it's been several years since we did it but he he put together he got a his financial advisor and we had some dudes come up. We we had like a gathering. Um, it was all it was all teaching tattooers, you know, pretty much like how to invest your money, how to get a four hundred one k, you know. Uh, it was all this stuff because so many tattooers deal with cash and they don't save. And they're financially illiterate. Yeah, like NFL players or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. NFL players, you know, isn't aren't they on average bankrupt three years after they out of the NFL? You know. Yeah. You got all this cash and you're blowing it, but. And I see that. I see a lot of tattooers, you know, like making a ton of money renting this, renting a fucking mansion when you could buy a real nice home. And own property and then expand your portfolio, do stuff. And like, yeah. there's ways to do things with your money to make it really good. I don't know if I ever uh, told you yet, but the name of the podcast that this podcast is called The Hero and the Sage. And the reason why I call it that is because I've always been very into like, old medieval mythological stories and stuff like that and how the journey of you know like the journey of like that warrior that 
lived in a small village and he gets this call to adventure and then he goes out and seeks out wisdom to be able to go to accomplish this large goal. And I've always been um, enamored by the archetypes of the hero and the sage, the King Arthur and now, Sage. Merlin. What's what's the definition of Sage? Okay, so like you know, King Arthur and Merlin, right? Uh, like King Arthur would be the hero and Merlin would be the Sage. The 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 definition of Sage in the dictionary is someone who lives a life of gather wisdom in order to pass it on to others, and it's basically like the guy along the way that points you in the right direction or gives you the gems that you need to accomplish what you're mm. doing. Because there's two roles to play. There's the guy that's on the adventure and there's the guy that's been through adventures that is there to give you the Almost wisdom. Almost like, like Luke Skywalker and Yoda? Yes, 100%. So in every story, in, every, uh, in storytelling in general, the hero's journey, uh, Joseph Campbell ex explains the hero's journey perfectly, but in every story that you've ever heard, there's always been the hero and there's always been the sage. And then once you watch like even new shows or something, you're like, oh, okay, he's the hero. Oh, that's his sage. That's a person that's okay. giving him the direction and yeah. stuff. So I call it the hero and the sage because it's like, A, it's like a really cool theme to a podcast that's not just like, oh, tattooing only, right? Because I'm going to interview people that aren't tattoo artists. But it's the, the act of gaining wisdom and then passing it on. So what's funny is a cool detail that we have here. In our logo, the uh, the colors that we have is like this teal and this orange. And then whoever in the podcast is considered the sage would get the teal, and whoever's the hero would get the orange. Sometimes I might be the sage. Sometimes I might be the hero learning. And, and where is this color going to go? What is it? Look. You're, oh, the color of the right lights. Now, look, right now you, you have a teal ah. color coming off of you right now, and I have an orange one. And it just kind of, uh, kind of just like a little cool little touch to be like, like oh, he's the OG. He's the one that has the the experience and the knowledge, and he's going to be passing on wisdom to the hero, whoever that is. But sometimes I might have people on that want to learn from me, and then I might be the sage in that in that uh, situation. But yeah, it's just like a cool thing that it's more about like life in general and wisdom and just trying to grow as a human rather than just like, hey, how to um, run a nine liner consistently on a back. Like it's just. The it, little things. Yeah, I like dude. That. I, I just I like that. I'm just like a student of life, bro. And I've always been um, I've always been attracted to wisdom. If I was alive in the medieval times, I would be that guy that's traveling the world just to like absorb as much trying to go find that ancient library that has like the old scrolls that has like the wisdom. That's always what I've been into. Have you done much international traveling, travel, uh, not, traveling? Nah, no, not damn near at all. And you got I your went, passport. Got my passport. I went to Colombia one time, but I went there to um. For a specific reason, I didn't really like have fun. I didn't explore anything. Me but, too. Really? What part? Um, Cali. Me too. Really? Yeah. What'd you go there for? Um, they flew me out there uh, to be a judge at the tattoo. At Shut the, up. At the, and that was uh, at Cali. Yeah, Cali. Uh, Juan. He throws the uh, Cali Tattoo Fest down there, and he brought me down there with a few other tattooer friends. And at first, I was a little nervous. I'm like, Colombia. And then you hear Cali. You know, that's where the cartel. Right. Cali cartel. Yeah. And my wife, you know, my wife's like a, you know, tall, skinny, good-looking blonde. And, and, and I'm like, I don't know, baby. I don't want to bring a blonde down to Columbia. She's stand out like a sore thumb. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, dude, I'm already, look at any many redheads out there. And she pretty much was like, nah, pussy, we're going. <laughs> she, she's like, we're going. And we went. Um, I had a great time, but similar story. You know, it wasn't like I was out exploring. You know, a lot of my conventions are, a, you know, a Thursday to Monday thing. You try to run around town real quick and get your, your Instagram photos and see some of the stuff. Um, but I remember leaving there, driving to the airport, 
And even like when the plane, when the wheels went like this, I was like, I made dude. it. Yeah. I dude. got out of Columbia. Down to the last second. And my know? Colombian distributor and friends down there, they're probably mad at me for saying that, you know, but Columbia, I was a little I was a little nervous down there just because Well, dude, they they can't hide the fact that like the press about Columbia is yeah. very negative and it's very like in specifically where I was. Cali, yeah. Columbia, in this spot right here is a gang uh, cartel war. And I'm like, bro, I was just right. You're there. based at the man, you know, you're looking at the mountain. Yeah. And they're they're out there in those 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 yeah, hills. Dude. Yeah. You know, he took us out to dinner and it was up on the side of that mountain. I remember just like, uh oh, we're creeping, we're creeping up on the yeah, mountain. Yeah, yeah, and it was, yeah. you know, it was a beautiful view. And he had like these well, that's famous. Cool you got to do that. Oh yeah, yeah. He had a couple famous break dancers there, and it was it was great. You know, and his his convention's cool. It's like a festival, so they have like MMA fights, concerts. Yeah. You know, it's almost borderline music of Colombia because they had big name. You know. Uh, performers down there, and like I said, that break dancing competition and all this different stuff. And well, you got to do something that, that, that's yeah. pretty. That's pretty dope that you got to experience something cool out there. Yeah, know? but I'll tell you what, just like you said, I feel like traveling is one of the best colleges ever. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like, I think Americans. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of other people in other countries talk about how Americans never travel. And we are. We're guilty of not traveling internationally. Like, I know a lot of Europeans and Asians are really good at saving their money, and, and it's normal for them to take a month off. Yeah. Like, they work 11 months a year. We don't do that here. We're workaholics in the right. States. But at the same time, the States, I mean, look at just the difference between Northern California and Southern California. Right. They're like two different states. Like, So it's almost like we have all these different countries within a country. Right. You know what I mean? The South and Manhattan are worlds apart. Yeah. You know, you get in middle America from 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 the um the accents and the and the different ways of living. Like America has so many different cultures all in one, but at the same time, when you can start traveling internationally because it's a trip to see, you know, see how other people live and how they right. do it differently. And you it really does humble you and gives you humility and makes you come home and realize like, you know. Um, not everyone does things the way you do, yeah. and, and, and there's other ways that work as well. And especially the problems that you might trip off on a daily basis, and you're like, man, my problems are fucking... Oh, yeah. Fucking nuts. I was tripping on this? Like, fuck, dude. Well, like, yeah, going to Colombia or even, you know, Mexico, you know, and uh, some of these third world countries, and you see them struggle, you know? Like, when my teenagers want to complain about something, it makes me want to take them with me to yeah. some of these other countries so they can see how good they have it, right. you know? It's it's the truth. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's a trip, though. Um, Europe, Australia, uh, South America, when you look on the like the tabloids and the magazines, it's all American stuff. Yeah. That's a trip, too, though. That's like, crazy. The world is engulfed in American culture. Yeah. So when you're, in, when you're in London and you see the Kardashians and Kanye and all the magazines, you're like, really? Yeah. Here in England, too, you guys are all enthralled in Kanye and Kim Kardashian. You know, it's a trip. Like, the world knows what's going on here you it's kind of funny because when i was doing youtube heavy before when i was just doing the vlogs i actually had a lot of european like fans and stuff because they see it as such a world apart and they're just so like you said they're so enamored with the uh the u.s the america way and it's just like damn there's an influencer in america and in america it's like oh it's just another influencer and then to them it's like fucking justin bieber from that far you mm -hmm. know and yeah it's crazy but to your point i do need to get more international travel i respect what you get out of it just out of theory because i yeah. haven't done it yet but 
especially since how I, everything I just explained of like what I want to do with my life and like what I want to absorb, that's like the key thing that I need to do next. But what I've always been trying to do is get that to align with whatever purpose I'm doing at the time. Like the podcast helps traveling. If I could go overseas and start doing podcasts with people overseas and have that as part of like the the trip, and then you vlog it and just kind of get that whole um, that whole feeling, and then be able to pass it on to whoever's watching. As you grow your podcast, you're gonna have people wanting to bring you there. You exactly. know, they might start paying for these hotels and flights and booths yeah. because you know you're 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 creating this beautiful these conversations that people want to hear yeah you know five years ago you mentioned to me that man some of these fucking conventions will fly you out if you if you hit them up and blah 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 i've still never had that to this day i maybe, just don't maybe, know maybe, if you I gotta don't ask, maybe you gotta ask for it i think i've asked a couple of times but then they're like oh you know we're already kind of like full or whatever so yeah like that, that type of shit. um but I, that, I think that has to do um relationship building and, yeah, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying you know you're standoffish but Anytime um, I'm at a show, I always want to know who the promoter is. I want him to know who I am. I'm starting to do that. You I'm know? starting to do that a lot more because I don't ever really know sometimes. But now we have friends that are like, oh, yeah, I know the guy that does this. Let, let me go introduce you to him. And we're making that more. Like I said, when I go to conventions, I want to meet people. So that's a really good. Now, every time I see you at a convention, I'm going to put my arm around you. I'm going to be like, I want to introduce you to the promoter of this show. Yes, dude. Please we'll, do we'll, it. We'll go walk over. Please. And I'll, 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 I'll hype you up, let him know all the all the stuff that you're doing. And, you know, even if he's quiet, he can at least hear it, absorb it. And then a lot of times, if they're not familiar with their, with you, then they start seeing you're like, oh, I met him. Oh, there he is. There he is. There he is. There he is. You know? Yeah. And even with people that are, because I've met people like that are more quiet and they don't know who I am. And they're like, yeah, whatever and shit. I know how to talk to those people too and not be overbearing. But you're right. From afar, even if they do know who you are, it's only in a certain perspective, right? So meeting them in person and getting a good interaction with somebody changes the whole game. Mm -hmm. And it's like if me and you never met and you could only go off of certain stuff that you see, you might form a different opinion. But I do feel like meeting each other in person and having conversations like, oh, I know how this guy yeah. is. He's fucking Well, Troy from Villain Arts is a good example. You know, like Troy. I, I was supposed to meet him and I didn't get to him. Um, the last day I was in. Uh, He's like Denver. my partner, Ryan. He's very quiet. Yeah. He's very hard to read. You know, doesn't say a lot of words, so that intimidates people. You know, you yeah. don't know if he likes you or not. But at the same time, I know that at so many of his shows, he pra practically has like a reality television row. You know, right. like he's always he's always uh, hooked up a lot of the a lot of the guys that have been on the television shows. Oh, that's you know? yeah. So I mean, all the Ink Masters. There's like Ink Master Row, where all these guys, and it's from you know guys that have, you know been off tv for five yeah eight, they were years. on yeah exactly they were on yeah, but they're, they're still riding that 15 minutes so yeah yeah and i'm hoping to keep like a steady like i might not be like ink master but like fucking just a steady pace of just like oh yeah i know that guy nothing too crazy and shit and uh as i grow the podcast i think it'll be really fun to get a more dynamic what do you think about uh joining us in the solemn booth one time dude I, yeah i mean i know you got your shop and you got your team you know um and the reason I ask, because a lot of times, like, say, you know, Jess Yen, every convention he does, he's got his whole shop in the team. Big sleeps every time right. he has a booth. He's, you know, like, some people don't just go solo. So I don't usually invite Big Sleeps or Jess Yen because I only got room for one person. But, um, yeah, we should get you We should get you in the Solon booth. That'd be dope. Times. There's plenty of conventions that, like, in, unless everyone was on the same page about like yeah we want to go to that convention then we'll do a booth that's like big and mm. grand and stuff but anything under that if people are like yeah i don't know if i want to go to empires i don't know if i want to go to eh, whatever then sometimes yeah i'll just go 
And I'd rather go than not go. So if those opportunities arise and I could be at the Solon booth, like, dude, that would be amazing. Like, that would be fucking great, you know? So, yeah, let's make that happen for sure. Damn, I think uh, we got this show in Miami coming up. And I talked to Emilio. Emilio, uh, he throws a big convention down in Venezuela. He's well-respected down in South America. Now he's got this one coming up in Miami. And I, I was supposed to have Freddie Negretti and his girlfriend Deja join us, and they, they had to back out. And then Amelia was like, don't worry about it. I got so many tattooers. Let me, let me sell your booth because we're sold out. So we decided to opt out of having tattooers, but that would have been a good one because this show, it's called uh, The All-Stars. And Emilio's got it's it's similar to Golden State, but on another level, it's almost more like you know the London show or or the new one um, that Mickey puts on in Germany, where it's just a lot of international like heavy hitters. Yeah, you know a lot of a lot of a lot of international realism guys. Um, yeah, hop on the page. You know, I think he already sold the booth, but that would have been good to have you at that one. Yeah, dude, that'd be tight. But anyone's like that, they, uh, as long as I get a big enough heads up, and yeah. I could, then I'll for sure do it, and I think it'd be really cool um yeah dude just getting more integrated with that and you're right we're building relationships more because i feel like i'm just now getting into the deep part of like knowing who these people are and stuff having people like you helps a lot because you could help me introduce introduce me and that's a different dynamic when someone they respect introduces the person rather than you just coming up and being like very love, overbearing in the face i pride myself on that i've i've uh i've introduced a lot of people together yeah. and they'll know each other but there's you know that just that Sometimes you just need an introduction. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're familiar with each other from across the room, but sometimes you just need that introduction. And you, you know? create such an opportunity off of that one connection mm -hmm. that, like, so much shit could happen off that. Or not, but, like, there's at least you connected, you played your part, and then it just opens up a big door, especially for me, especially the podcast and this and that. Anybody you introduce me to, I'm super interested in, dude. Like, I'm not, like, uh, coming from a perspective where I'm too good to meet this person. I want to meet anybody that you feel like is worth meeting, especially. I can tell. I feel that. Yeah. And I know you're like, oh, you don't need my help, bro. Like, I need, uh, I, no, I don't need help. I'm just saying, like, I, I respect the help and I need it, like, I got in, you. in a capacity, you know? I'd be happy um, to. And I appreciate that. We have been going for a solid hour and 40 minutes, which is pretty no solid. Shit. Yeah, dude, look right there. <laughs> yeah. See? What did it feel like? It felt like fucking. It's like, it's like five years ago. Yeah, dude. I know. It's so, our anniversary. We talk each other's ear off. That's why. I know, that's why I knew this one was going to be good, and I didn't want to put a cap on it like an hour or Damn, something. An hour and forty minutes. Yeah, dude. You got to let it flow. I mean, that's what's crazy about like Joe Rogan's be going like three, four hours. I know. Think about that. Yeah. That's a lot, but I feel like we covered a lot of good shit. It was a great conversation, dude. And I'm so glad that you're the first episode. You're literally going to be posted as the first episode. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I'm and, honored. I'm honored. And I just really want the first 10 episodes to really set the uh, the tone and the pace for people to understand what the fucking podcast is actually about. And it kind of have some, uh, I think having you as the first episode is going to give us a lot of good credibility with a lot of people that know who you are in the industry. And then we'll branch out from there, but I feel like you're really respected, and I'm glad to have you on, and thank you for doing it, dude. I'm humbled, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a good time. It's always good to talk to you, brother. For sure, man. Let's wrap it up, and uh, thanks again. Hour and 40 minutes yapping each other's ear off. And I only hear your voice in these, so it's, like, funny because I didn't hear nothing going on out here. Uh -huh.